Blog Talk Radio. It's Wednesday afternoon and we're excited to be on the air. Your hosts for today's show are Robert Brining and Jack McEnroe. They will be taking your calls and speaking out on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That's 347-215-9442. Welcome to Paz IM Radio. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Paz IM Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining, joined by my co-host, Jack McEnroth. Jack, how's your week going? It's good. It's finally it's finally summer here in New York, so I'm happy. Oh, that's good. Because it was it basically was a monsoon for like the entire month of June, and that was not cute for me. So <laughs> you were in California. I don't want to hear. You weren't here the whole time. Uh, right. Were you? Well, no. I think I was here like the last two weeks of June, and it was oh, that's sucked. when it was horrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You scared the hell out of me coming on there last minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, you made me nervous. You made me nervous because I was on Facebook and I got a message from you that says I'm closing down. Pause. I am, and I was like, what? And then I thought, and then I got your your follow up saying that because I guess obviously other people were confused too that you're not it's you're not doing anything to pauseiam.com. Right. You're just you're just closing down the pauseiam page on Facebook, the, correct? The, the group on Facebook, because I have a group and a fan page, and the oh, group okay. is just starting to be too much, and I figured I'd just tell everybody who's in the group, join the fan page to stay posted. Got it. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, what the hell? I'm like, obviously, he's put a lot of work into that. I can't imagine he would just, like, nonchalantly, like, delete it. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 not at all. Um, but today, we actually have a, a really special guest on. I actually was watching videos on him yesterday and today, and I'm amazed. Um, we have the mayor of West Hollywood, John Duran, and um, he's uh, one of the few, actually. This is you know, one of the interesting things I found out about him is that he's one of the four elected officials in the United States that are openly HIV positive. And do you happen to know what the other ones are? I think there's one in Chicago, correct? I think there's one in Florida. I don't know the other ones. Okay. I know I saw well, that. That takes balls. That's impressive. Yeah, well, he's openly gay and he's openly HIV positive, and he's a he's a he's a, a big figure out there in California. And I, I was listening to him speak, and he's just so funny telling his story. Um, just in the, the way that he says things and the way that he delivers it, it's just it's he he must love his job. He must Good. really love his job. Yeah. So I know he was in court. His assistant called me a little bit and said, you know, he's in court this morning, and he should you know be able to reach us on his cell phone at 11 o'clock his time, which is now. So he may be a little bit late coming on just because he had to do, deal with court, which is understandable. Okay. But um, I thought that was kind of – I'm just excited to have him on because I really didn't know too much about him when somebody suggested that I should have him on. And then after I started reading more and more about him, he's, he's very, very interesting, and, and I, I don't really know why I didn't hear about him earlier. Right. Um, what about you? Do you have anything going on in your world? I'm actually looking through my um, through my emails trying to figure it out. Um, I figured out my my dates for uh, the Merck thing, Living Positive by Design, are – I thought I was going to Vegas in August, but I'm not, actually. So I'll be in New Orleans. Um, this is way off, but um, in case anyone cares and wants to mark their calendar. 
Um, I'll be in New Orleans from September 18th through the 21st. So that's cool. I'm not actually, I don't even know what we're doing there, what the details are or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, I haven't been to New Orleans in forever. When I was a big old drunk mess during Mardi Gras, like 15, 15 years ago in drag. And I, I came into the host hotel and it was raining and I slipped in my pumps and fell flat on my face. And like, in front of a, like 200 queens <laughs> and I just crawled to the elevator with my wig in my hand and I was like oh this is not cute <laughs> yeah, see, I never had any of those days <laughs> no well you like were so young when you how long have you been sober um I have been clean uh, I drink occasionally but I don't oh. um party like I used to right um, I just don't use drugs like I used to like meth and, and coke and things of that nature but um since 2001 is when oh, I cool. all that. but I so think that, you know, like so. I don't go to the bars like I used to right so we don't really drink a lot so we can get a case of beer and it's here from Christmas until the next Thanksgiving right <laughs> because we don't use it well right so that you're 30 now that was you said 2001 so that was eight years ago so you basically quit all that stuff when you were 22. I, it took me a lot longer than that i was probably 32 i would say closer to 32 yeah maybe a little earlier than that 30 or early 30 something like that so yeah i had lots of when my book comes out it'll be filled with like travesty extravaganzas it'll be hilarious <laughs> are, you, are you working on that now or um you know i actually have a friend that i want to write it with who's a really um hilarious author who wrote um about 10 years back wrote a great book called misadventures in the 213 all about like shenanigans and LA and um I do I have the outline um it's kind of based on what happens with the TV show and we're just it's just taking forever to hear about that um I'm assuming it's probably good news um coming from the TV show just because they're having us you know all the contracts have to be signed before they will tell us anything that's going forward but I would assume that if they cuz they've already seen the final edit and I know that was on the 22nd um, of last month so I'm sure they know what they're doing with it, and I would assume if they were going to not go forward with it, they would just tell us and say, like, listen, don't even bother continuing to negotiate your contract because there's no use. Like, so, so hopefully no news is good news. I just, my contract is done. I just have to sign it, and then there's the production people have to get get on the ball. So that's what's taking so long, but... I think it's good news, and then I'm training my ass off for the out games in Copenhagen. I leave in, like, 16 days, so 15 days I'll be on a plane. Have you ever been there? I have not. Um, it's really beautiful. Yeah, I'm very excited. Everyone says really great things, and apparently it's for, like, an hour. I'm, You know how you're, all the European countries are so close? It's, like, an hour away from Berlin, so I might, like, take a day trip to Berlin. And Yeah, a lot um, of people did that when we went. They took, like, day trips to two other places. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's just so easy to get around, and um, so yeah, we'll see. I'm just, I'm right now. I'm concentrating on swimming because I just got the. It's called the heat sheet. I mean, it's basically the order of events and who's entered in the events and how all the times are and everything. And I'm seated third, and my best event is the 50 breaststroke, and I'm seated third. So um, I want to win. <laughs> <laughs> 
Which is, I mean, it, it's a lot. It's a ambitious goal considering the person seated first is the national record holder in our age group. So, oh, wow. I know. So I, he would. I might do a Tanya Harding and like hit him in the <laughs> and hit him in the leg like right before the event or something like that. So we'll see. He'd have to have a he'd have to have a really bad swim, and I'd have to swim out of my mind. But you know, stranger things. I beat him once in my life and he wasn't in very good shape apparently but oh you know that's funny so, just so the listeners know we are waiting for um mayor john duran to call in he's going to be joining us shortly um i did want to mention i did do some update to um the pause am community um we just added uh, a few bloggers to the site so um i just wanted to welcome we have uh, justin b smith is bringing uh, justin's hiv journal over to pause am um Daddy Dab Garner from um, Dab's The AIDS Fair Project is bringing My Journey of Hope. And then Kenji's project, Kenji Cat, is actually bringing his blog over to Paws I Am as well. And then I'm going to actually start blogging on the site. So, um, you know, just another reason for people to come and check it out. Because they do actually video blogs, which are very, you know, interesting and more personal than just reading a blog. So I thought that was something I wanted to bring up for people to check out. Cool. Um, and then I've been actually plugging the hell out of this radio show and pauseiam.com. I think I did I did an article for, and I'm going to be in the cover of um, Compete Magazine, which is a gay sports magazine. It used to be called Sports Out Loud, and they did like a, a really long interview, and they were really interested in the radio show. So that, I'm sure, oh, cool. will come out. It's uh, July, August. Wait, is it July? It's the August-September issue, so it comes out right at the end of July. Um, and what, what so yeah, we should, we should we we it's called Compete, and you can you can look Google it and it'll just come up. But um, it used to be called Sports Out Loud. This is only their second issue of um, no, being known as Compete. Um, I mean, I think it's their third. You can get it like a Barnes and Noble. Um, you know what? I don't know where you can get it. I know like they, uh, it's it's free. So um, at least the, like a gym bar here, which is the sports bar, I've seen it there. I'm sure you could probably go online and order it, or um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a Barnes and Noble. I don't really know. Maybe go to their website and see what their distribution is. I really have no idea. Hmm. But yeah, more press okay, for you. Cool. <laughs> what else do we have coming up? Because I know we have some um, really good shows coming up for um I gotta find my newsletter. I'm in the process of trying to look for it. Um in July because I'm just waiting for him to call and I thought he would have called in by now and I'm checking my email at the same time making sure that I'm not screwing anything up. That's fine. We'll just shoot the shit. And then if he doesn't call by like halfway through then we'll start to make fun of him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. That's so funny. Um coming up um, actually, Sunday, we're actually going to speak with uh, Justin B. Smith, who, again, is from Justin's HIV Journal, who's going to be one of our bloggers. Um, and then next Wednesday, um, which is really cool, we're going to be speaking with um, 18-year-old Brian Jackson, who was infected when he was a baby, um, but he just graduated high school. And I, I, I would like getting young people on to, to come on and talk about their experience, because you really, first, you don't really find young people at the age of 18 who's willing to share openly about their status. And right. um, I want to talk about, you know, what it was like for him to go to high school, being in the public eye and being HIV positive, um, because, you know, the way that he was infected reached headlines and people read about it all over the world. And um, 
he actually attends a camp that I donated like tons and tons of Beanie Babies to, and we did a fundraiser last year, me and my partner for Camp Kindle in um, California. There's one in California and there's one in Nebraska, um, but now it's called Project Kindle. So he went there as he was growing up as a child to this camp, you know, and this year is his first year going back to the camp, but he's going to be a counselor. And, oh, cool. Yeah, and the day that the interview is taking place, he's actually going to be at the camp. So um, he was kind of really excited about, you know, being there and being able to share that with everyone and his first year being a counselor. And Well, and for, really people cool. that, that for people that don't know who he is, like, do you want to say how he got infected? Yeah, um, Brian was a baby, and his father uh, entered the hospital room and injected a syringe of HIV-tainted blood into his body. Which is so insane. Yeah, which is really crazy. And and I know that's his backstory, but I know I kind of want to focus more on what he's doing now and how he's moving forward. But we'll definitely touch on how it happened and, you know, all that. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I I I think it'll be interesting to talk to him. And he's obviously made a great life for himself. And, um, you know, we've all... I don't think necessarily the method that you get infected is really the issue. I mean, that was unfortunate that his dad was crazy or whatever the hell his problem was, but it's it's what you do with it. Um, actually, I just did a radio show called Max and Friends. I don't even remember what night it was. It was really late, so it was another one where I was falling asleep while I was doing it. It was started at like 11, and by midnight I was like, what are we talking about again? But um but um, they were asking me a lot about the radio show being HIV positive, and um, you know, I, I and the, they actually had a sex therapist on there with me, just sort of in tandem. We were all chatting, and 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 you know, I and she said, and I said, you know, that it can be a blessing in disguise. You know, a lot of great things can come out of dealing with your own mortality, and you know, I think if I had it to do over again, I mean. Being HIV negative would be great, I guess. I wouldn't have to take meds and and have the concern. Luckily, I've been very lucky with my health, but I think a lot of great things have come out of it. Um, you know, just by I think I'm more open, I'm more honest about everything in general. Um, you know, and I think a lot of self actualization and self realization comes when you have to deal with confronting your own mortality and the possibility of living with a fatal or life-threatening or chronic disease or whatever it is now, so. Yeah, it's definitely um, important. I'm still waiting for him to uh, give us a call in, so there's a possibility he may have been driving back to his office to call, so I know that may take a while, and I apologize for people who are listening, but you know what? That's okay because you still got me and Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone wants to, they can call in and, like, tell us what they're doing with their lives right now. They're bored. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to do is I also wanted to thank Dab is out in the chat room. I wanted to thank him. He um, sent me one of the um, Dab the Apes there, and um, I have that in the room with me now as I'm doing it. I'm actually wearing um, – Kenji sent me a Do Something Saturday T-shirt, which is um, his organization, Do Something Saturday.org, and um, I have that on as well. And I was just wearing your shirt the other day, Jack. Oh, good. So I just let people know that I do wear the things that you send me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure out let me look and see when we will be when Living Positive by Design will be in because I know we're coming to you uh, October 15th through 19th will be in Philly I think that's the week of our AIDS walk that's probably why I'm, we're going then because what they do 
is is um, the Merck people kind of plan our our um, you know our ventures and our outings and stuff around an event that you know kind of brings the HIV community together in that particular city. It's much easier. I mean, we we experimented the first year and we tried to do a kind of a standalone event um, in Atlanta, and it just doesn't really work because you know it, it, unless you have something like the U.S. Conference on AIDS or, you know, an AIDS walk or something centralized where there's a lot of people there that are attentive and are interested in the subject matter. It's like, it's hard to advertise like, oh, yeah, come and listen to people talk about HIV. It's like not, you know, if, if, if there's not the community base that you're talking to, it's, you know, there's not that many people that are really interested, unfortunately, in hearing about it. So, yeah, that's, I'm sure it is the AIDS walk, and that's why we're there that at that, that time. Oh, that would be really, really cool, too, because we're going to And they all want to meet, they all want to meet you and... Um, you know, so we might do something with you, and who knows? Cool. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Um, we could always. Um, I'm trying to think um, what day that is. That's a Sunday. Uh, usually the AIDS walk is on a Sunday. And, right. Um, so I was just trying to figure out how it was because last year we put a team together, um, a POSIM team, and we all walked for you know the, the people in the Philly area that are members of the site. There was I think maybe four or five of us, but. We all walked together. We raised close to a thousand dollars, so it was real fun. Excellent. Yeah, it was just nice to meet people. You know, like the event that's coming up, the early treatment summit that, that we talked about with uh, Brandon last week um, in July. I think still has a spot, some spots open, and um, just to go there and to meet people who are on the site who I don't really know, but I know just because I see their profile and maybe we chat in the chat room. It's just nice to actually meet them in person and put, you know what I mean? Actually, feel like I I know them for real now. That's why right, it's so nice right. to meet like you and Jeremy when I actually meet you in person. I feel like I actually really know you. <laughs> have you ever know, have you never met Jeremy either? No, he's in North Carolina. I met him through Bob Bowers. How funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so it's such a weird concept of like doing radio shows and how everything's so accessible with the internet. It's like, you know, you quote unquote know all these people and mm -hmm. but you just, you know, you you don't. <laughs> you know their page. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I know you. I know a lot about you. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure. I mean, I've I've seen pictures of you, and I have a visual of what. And now I know that you're sitting next to a bear wearing a t-shirt. So. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, when people like us who are in the public, we kind of are open books when it comes to it. So a lot of people, I guess, feel like they know us, right? <laughs> yeah. It's actually kind of it's actually scary now. That's like I don't think I could ever go back if I wanted to become anonymous again. It's like mm, yeah, that's not gonna happen. I'd have to delete like every profile, and you know, pictures would still pop up here and there, and yeah, yeah. it would be it would take a village. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's a good thing, you know. At least you're using it for something good and not using it for something negative. Yeah. Although I could turn on a dime. <laughs> don't cross me or I'll cut you <laughs> right totally yeah I reached that tipping point and then I'm like look out bitches um, no no that's not my nature so that's funny let's see as we're still waiting for the mayor to call in I know exactly what he's going to do I know he's going to call exactly at like 2.30 I just have this feeling so um let me tell you about the rest of the lineup in July. Um, July 19th, we have Tom Donahue from Who's Positive um, dot org. And then we also have Wednesday, we have Clint, who actually called into the show 
and I've met him through Hope's Voice in their uh, Does HIV Look Like Me campaign, Clint Walters, and he does he runs an organization called Health Initiatives over in the UK. Um, oh, cool. And he's a yeah, he's a really cool guy, and um, he'll come on and talk about that and all the stuff that he does there. We're also going to have Sunday the 26th. We're going to have Shirley Jaglowski from Paws Peddlers, and she's going to come on and talk about that. And she just participated in the AIDS life cycle, and she's going to talk about her experience of going through that as well. And so I want to tell um, me about the Paws Peddlers. What, say what? People always tell me about the Paws Peddlers and stuff like that, and I always wanted to find out more information about it and talk to somebody involved. So right. Um, and I want to reschedule uh, my friend John Rutherford from Colt at some point when you are lacking for guests because I, I find that so interesting. Like um, the just the I, you know, I mean everybody, well, gay men especially <laughs> like porn, and I'm curious to know like what the rules are with HIV and testing, and um, you know if you can be an HIV positive and work in the the, the porn industry and I just think I have a lot of questions that I I really have no idea about anything. Yeah, I know a lot I'll of just people are looking forward to that show. Yeah, and just all the whole issue of barebacking porn and how what the regulations are on that, and I I don't know. I just have so many questions. I'm really curious to to, to know. Yeah, I'll try to reach out to him again in August. I tried in July, but I didn't get any luck, so I'll do it again in August. Well, yeah, no. Hi, if you, if you want to book him, have I'll do it because um. He's super, super busy. I mean, he's yeah. running like Colts. So, um, but he'll 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 respond to me because I've known him for 20 years. So I'll be like, email me back, bitch. We have <laughs> plenty of plenty of spots open in August. He can pick any. I think Wednesday works better for him. Okay. So any Wednesday in August that he wants, you know, should I'll be email him right now. <laughs> I can multitask. <laughs> One of the other things I wanted to um, bring to everyone's attention is um, I started a YouTube page um, that you can find if you search Paz I Am on YouTube, and I'm going to start uploading um, a video that has all of our guests for the month in it. So people can go to one spot and just see this video. I just posted it on Facebook. I think I may even put it on your page, Jack. But um, oh, cool. it's a new thing that I did, and it just kind of plays music and lets you, you know, gives you the date and time of when and who's going to be on and where they're, what organization they're from and what they're going to talk about. And, you know, it's just another way to promote and, and help. And you can always embed that on your blogs or pages or MySpaces or whatever you want. Cool. For anyone, you know, who's listening. So we Excellent. are waiting. Let me tell you a little bit more about John as we're waiting for him to call in because, I, I again, I found a lot of information on him. Um. He is a big uh, defender of human rights, and he does a lot of activists for human rights, and he has um, since the 80s. Um, he sued L.A. County for not offering medical attention to HIV-positive inmates in L.A. County, um, and he actually won that case. He's also voted in the 20 most influential gay Members of members, influential member of the gay community by LA Magazine. Um, he's a role model for people, like I said earlier, who are also HIV positive because he's one of four elected officials in the U.S. that are openly HIV positive. So you know that's I, I just can't wait for him to come on because I want to know what it's like to be a mayor every day. 
Like, yeah. Because you, know, you don't really know. I, I, I never saw, like, the reality of being a mayor. You just see the mayor speaks, comes here, and goes. You know, he doesn't – you don't see the behind the scenes. So I'd like to know, you know, what his day-to-day life is. I'm sure it's crazy. It's actually not a job I envy. Like, I think it would be cool to – and that you do a lot of can do a lot of amazing amazing work, but I just all the bureaucracy and all the lobbying and all the you know just debates and trying to get stuff done stuff. and all the political crap and <laughs> that would I'd shoot myself in the face after like a week I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I I don't think I could do it at all. No. Not at all. But um, he's. I'm glad someone can. <laughs> yeah, he's been the mayor. Um, he was elected in March of 2001. So, and I know he does a lot of, um, you know, work for people in, in HIV discrimination cases in the workplaces. And I know he's done a lot of, um, I think there was a case where some women were um, mistreated or misexamined, I guess, or searched at the airport. And they were searched basically for their, to find out what their gender was. And oh. there was a case that he brought, a, yeah, there was a lot of big cases that he was talking about. And I don't really want to talk too much about it because I want him to come on and talk about it because he knows it better than I do. Right. Um, but, I mean, this guy, he does a lot. And, you know, he was out there for Prop 8 and, and all, that, all that stuff. He's just, he seems like a, a very inspirational person to, to have in your life. So when I move to California, I'll make sure that I, you know, definitely meet this guy. I just think that he's somebody who's worth talking about. And, I, again, and some, as somebody in the community, I don't hear too much about them. Right. You know yeah, I know. I know. It it, it's interesting that you don't. I mean, you would think that since there's four, like you mentioned before, that there's four out, um, you know, political officials in some capacity. It's like, you're, it's, it's, it's kind of surprising that you don't hear more about them and that they're not more in the public eye because that's, you know, it's rare. Yeah, it is. If anybody out there wants to like to call in and comment and just maybe chit-chat with us before John comes in, you can give us a call at 347-215-9442. Again, we're waiting for Mayor John Duran from West Hollywood to give us a call in. Um, I know his schedule is a little bit crazy and hectic today, but he will be giving us a call shortly. So what's going on with you, Robert? What's new in your life? What's going on with me? Not much. Basically, I'm just getting psyched up for this event. Um, you know, just working on the website and things, just normal every day to day stuff, nothing too extravagant, I guess. <laughs> you know? Okay. I mean, trying, I mean, no, for real. Like, I'm just kind of just trying to work. I have to do this, you know, speech or talk in front of these people about the power of social networking and how important it is for, you know, people in the HIV AIDS community to get involved in social networking and how other ASOs can use social networking tools to, you know, to get to the people that they need to reach for, you know, their target audience. So it's just kind of interesting, and it makes me a little nervous because, again, I never spoke publicly about being HIV. Um, oh, you'll be positive. fine. So, so it's just a little hectic, but then, you know, I do it on the radio every week, twice a week, and I really shouldn't be, but nobody's staring at me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's I'm right outside your window. I'm right outside your window, staring at you right now as we speak. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all that stuff is just practice, you know. Um, 
I think everyone gets nervous. I, I still get nervous when I have to speak in front of a group, even if it's like a small group, just a little tiny bit. And then once I get into it, it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's just practice. And you'll probably be called upon to do more and more of it, so you might as well start practicing. Get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like, well, I, I do it. You know, I, I, I spoke when I went to NA meetings, and I, and, I, and I speak when I do events for my partner. And so I'm, I'm not afraid to speak. It's just doing it the first time on a platform. It's just I want to make sure I don't sound like a dumbass. You know what I mean? And I just have to make sure that everything flows right, and I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Well, I think you know what you're talking about. I wouldn't stress out so much about everything flowing because half the speakers that you listen to in the world suck. So, <laughs> so I'm just excited so to wait, meet now, people in the community. Do you have um, – let's talk about you. <laughs> do you have brothers and sisters? I don't know that much I about have, you. I have two sisters. I have an older sister and a younger sister. Oh, you're the forgotten child in the middle. I'm the one in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And so what do they think about you and all this? Uh, I guess they support me. They don't listen to my shows, not that I know of at least. Um, but, you know, what can they do? Once when I came out, out of the closet and I was like, you know, I'm gay, like my family was very like, oh, just keep it just to us, the immediate family. You don't need to let your cousins and your aunts and everyone know. Just because that's what they grew up and they were taught. You know, right. so I don't hate my family for it. That's just what they were taught. You know, my parents were taught when they grew up that – that that wasn't right. So I had to like break the mold and let people know that, Hey, this is okay. And you know, I'm going to be me whether you like it or not. So I kind of just put it in their face and let them deal with it. Right. Well, so I mean, that's what we sh everyone has to do, you know? I mean, I don't think I th that's great. I mean, that's the way to do it. It's like, you know, just you just have to be your true self, and if people don't like it, that's their issue. And you know that's what we keep saying with fighting the stigma of HIV. It's like just be honest. And I, I mean, and I, I write in like my various internet profiles and stuff. You know, I encourage people to just be honest. Be honest about because people write me all the time, and they're like, it's so admirable of you to be honest and open about your HIV status. I'm like, yeah, I guess, but you know. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be an issue. It should just be, like this is what it is. I have brown hair. I'm six feet tall. I'm HIV positive. Like it should just flow along in the laundry list of attributes. It shouldn't be like, oh my god, you know. So I mean, and if everybody that was positive was out and open about it, it wouldn't be a big deal. So. Right. Well, then when I told them that I was positive, it was even kind of more of like, kind of weird because it happened six months after my father died. So. It was kind of like it was important, but it, like there were so much other things going on that they kind of really didn't focus on it. And now that I brought it to the light, my mom, like you know, and I started doing things publicly. My mom was like, "Oh, can you stop? I don't know, you know, like I don't know if I can handle it anymore." And I went, "Mom, go to my website, go to pazian.com, read the testimonials, and read what people are saying about what I'm doing." And she went and did that, and. She joined the site now, and now she's a fan of the radio show, and she's cute. But I actually have um, John on the line, so I'm going to go ahead and bring him on. I believe this is him, so let's hope. Okay, cool. John Duran, are you there? Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, good welcome morning. to Podzheim Radio. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So we're excited to have you on and, and share, share a little bit of your story with us and what you're working with and 
I was just excited. I know you had a really busy day today, so I'm really grateful that you could fit us in. No problem. Sorry I'm late. No, not a problem. <laughs> well, well you're, you're lucky because you had about two more minutes until we started talking smack about you. <laughs> well, then I got in under the wire. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so um, like we were telling people earlier, you are the mayor of West Hollywood. Yes. Well, 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 we all take turns being mayor here in West Hollywood. We have a rotating mayor system, so it's very gay. Everybody gets a turn. (laughs) (laughs) And was 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 politics something that you always wanted to do, or absolutely not? Absolutely not. Uh, Back in uh, 1985, I was living in Laguna Beach, and my only form of gay activism, if you can call it that, was dancing shirtless on the bass speaker at the Boom Boom Room, and that was really. (laughs) I've done that. (laughs) Yeah, that was really the. In that bar, it's gone now, right? I think so. I think it is gone. Yeah. And uh, But in June of 1985, one of my closest friends, Scott Fleener, died very suddenly of uh, AIDS-related pneumocystis. Uh, he was the first person that I would know that had died. He was 26 years old. I was 26 years old. And um, thus began me thinking I had to do something to to get involved. And, of course, Scott was just the first one. There were 103 people who followed Scott over the next 10 years uh, who died of HIV-related diseases. It's hard to believe now because today is so different, but, of course, back in the 1980s, uh, it it was constant, you know, going to hospitals, going to memorials and funerals, working the politics, protesting in the streets, representing people in court. It it was just a a whirlwind of activity. Uh, By comparison, today, the water seems somewhat calm, although the epidemic's not over. It's... uh, it's not like it was in in the 1980s, that's for sure. Yeah, I re- I, I mean I I came in sort of on the tail end of that, but I it was definitely a whole different landscape of AIDS and HIV. It was it was numbing. Yeah, it, it was it was it was very numbing. I was very fortunate. I was in law school at the time, and I I took the California bar in 1987. Fortunately, passed the first time and. October the 11th, 1987, there was a march on Washington to protest Ronald Reagan and his his lack of any policy on HIV and AIDS, and out of that, ACT UP was born on October 11th, 1987, and uh, shortly thereafter, I I became one of the young attorneys for for ACT UP, and it was, I think it was a way for me to sort of uh, emote, express myself, to, to feel like I had something to do about the epidemic. I mean, I was a brand new lawyer. I didn't know anything from anything, but uh, I was passionate and uh, sort of got in there and and represented many protesters who were getting arrested in the streets and then from there moved on to uh, represent the needle exchange here in Los Angeles to make sure that junkies had access to clean needles. And then from there, I moved into medical marijuana. And so it's just kind of been a constant, you know, evolving along with the HIV movement, my my, uh, personal story and participation long before I became a city council member. Cool. Um, actually, and we were talking, before we came on, we were talking about, Robert said he was really interested to kind of know what your day is like, because I was like, I don't think I could do that with all the bureaucracy and just everything involved involved in politics and fighting for this and getting turned down for that and just the the drudgery of of trying to get your 
agenda passed. And uh, so what? So what is that like for you? On a day, well, day, you know, day, day? it's it's a juggling act. I mean, my uh, city council uh, position is is not a full time position. We get paid a whopping one hundred and fifty dollars a week, so it's nothing to write home about. So I do have a, a law practice that occupies a good part of my day. Uh, I'm a criminal defense lawyer, which means I do a lot of uh, drug, alcohol, and sex-related cases. But then I, I juggle that with breakfast, lunch, and dinner meetings around uh, the city's politics, the city of West Hollywood, which uh, West Hollywood's a very activated place all year round, uh, along with the politics of the greater GLBT community. and. And you know, I, I have to say, I, I think I, I think what keeps me going is my doctors told me way back in the early 1990s that I wouldn't live to to see the year 2000. I was I was getting pretty sick. I was in and out of the hospital quite a bit, and um, had T cells all the way down to 69, a viral load over a million, and you know they were saying you better just get your affairs in order. And um, but you know it didn't turn out that way. 1994, protease inhibitors uh, hit the scene. Uh, they worked for me, and uh, you know I find myself today. I've been non-detectable for four years, and uh, and uh, have T cells back up above 800. So you know the picture is very different. But the experience of living in a world where it was life and death on a daily basis and not knowing whether this was going to be your last week on the planet or not, um, you know, I, I think it gives one a different perspective. And so now I just, you know, try to I don't know, suck up as much life as I can. And, I, and I, I really do look forward to it. And the only thing I fear is boredom. If I had boredom, I, I, I that would be terrible. But I, I don't. I don't seem to have that. Like I said, West Hollywood's a very involved place to be. Yeah, that was one of the things that um, I remember in the speech that you gave um, on YouTube that I saw. Um, that that the, the the West Hollywood is so crazy that you're the mayor of Lindsay Lohan and and Paris Hilton and and the the Nightwalkers and and all the you know the crazy things and and I just think it's amazing what you do and you offer so much hope to people like me. Who are, or anyone who's newly diagnosed sitting at home going, you know, I don't feel like I can do anything with my life or make a difference. And, and you're proving that you can. And I think it's just really amazing and commendable that you do what you, you do it as an openly HIV positive person. Yeah, thank you. I, th I think I'm currently one of four HIV positive elected officials in the country, at least that I know of. There's two of us in California and two in New York. And um, and uh, I think I, I think what I tell people because I do meet a lot of uh, both very young people who are, are newly serial converted and of course gay men over 50 who are horrified to discover that you know they've suddenly serial converted even though they've been around for a while and, and you know I always tell people you know first things first first things first I mean first stabilize health you know get your viral load measured, wear your T-cells, decide whether or not you're going to start meds, decide, you know, how often to see your doctor, hopefully every quarter. And, and once that's stabilized, then, then there's so much to do. And, and I, I don't know, I just, I just find that by pouring myself into other activities, I, I can get out of my, my own head and, and the spinning craziness that exists up in my head at times. And so, uh, you know, and there's a, I mean, what city of West Hollywood experienced uh, over 10,000 deaths uh, during the, the height of the epidemic in the late 80s and early 90s. And so we, we know our share of loss here in the West Hollywood, Hollywood area. 
Um, it's not the story today, and instead, it, you know, we find HIV-positive people sort of engaged across the community, whether it's healthcare or politics or, or criminal justice or volunteerism. I mean, we're sort of all over the community. So, uh, and, but you know, every now and then something comes up. I, I developed very high cholesterol levels in 2003 related to some of the medications I was taking. Had a had a baby heart attack. I had to go to the hospital for that. You know, and had to get myself uprighted again, and then was back into the fray. So, uh, uh, I think it's possible to do. I think, and actually, what you—I think you made a really good point about just getting busy and how valuable that can be. I mean, that's kind of my credo as well. I'm—I'm I'm never sitting still. I'm actually people are like, "How do you do all the stuff that you do?" I'm like, "I don't really know." I, I but um. I think, you know, when, especially as far as, I think one of the things in particular, which you're a great example of, is giving back to the community and, you know, whether it's through volunteering or public service or, um, I just think that especially is rewarding mentally and that can have a huge effect on just sort of your general state of being and health in general. Um, so I think yeah, you're, you're very right. It gives one a reason to get up in the morning and to, to do something. I mean, I know there was a period of time there where I, I was uh, uh, temporarily disabled for, for four months. I was going crazy. I mean, okay, you can watch the Golden Girls, you know, so many times, and then when you start seeing reruns the second time around in the same week, it's like, okay, you know. Okay, well, and I'll give you a three in the same week, but I can I can watch it in 10, 10, 10 or 12 times. <laughs> but in the same week, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, they become a little stir crazy. So you know, <laughs> it's funny, John. One of the um, things you are, are known for are the cases that you you know took, um, at, you know, as a defense attorney. And one of the major one was I don't want to ruin the name, but is it is it Cohen versus um, LA County? Oh, Colcom. Uh, Michael Michael Colcombe. Yes, uh, Michael was a, a person living with HIV. That was, uh, gosh, I want to say back in the mid-90s, I think it was, uh, who was denied his uh, HIV medications while he was in custody for a while. And, you know, this was at, at a period of time where we were really uh, believing that uh, adherence, strict adherence to the medications that people were starting was absolutely necessary in order to keep the virus at bay. And um, and the sheriff wasn't quite up to speed on the medication. I mean, they were still giving people things like AZT and and uh, and Bactrim as, you know, a primary course of treatment. Uh, this was in the early 90s. And and yet there were so many other drugs coming out that were available to people with HIV. So. We, we did bring a lawsuit against uh, the county of Los Angeles, and, and it resulted in policy changes that exist to this day to make sure that, you know, the, the doctors uh, inside of the jail system are at least aware of the, you know, the current regimen of treatments that are available to people with HIV and that people have access to those treatments. Great. What yeah, are, I think I think I, I think probably the hardest case that I experienced over the years was the Keith Green case. Uh, Keith was uh, charged with felony assisted suicide. This is uh, this is back in the early 90s, and his his lover James Northcutt was was very very sick. I mean, he was blind. 
Uh, he was incontinent. Uh, he weighed less than 100 pounds. They'd been together for years, and and he he was just going under. It was just a matter of weeks, and and uh, you know he James ended up hooking up a, a pool hose to the exhaust pipe of his car and starting the car engine. And Keith came home and and caught him in the garage attempting to commit suicide. And and you know in a very tearful exchange, James begged Keith because the the other end of the hose that had been duct taped to the window had come loose. And he begged Keith, he said, please, please reattach the duct tape. Please reattach the duct tape. Please let me go. And, you know, they, Keith cried, and, and, and he, but he ended up reattaching that duct tape and uh, sat there with his lover and held his hand. And then when his lover expired, he, he went in and, and called 911. Uh, and the LAPD came out and said, you know, we understand why you did what you did, but it is a felony to assist somebody in a suicide, and he was uh, arrested for felony-assisted suicide. It was the first prosecution under that penal code section in 150 years. And, of wow. course, it, it arose in the context of HIV and AIDS. And But I think what it uncovered, we, we sort of had a, our own secret culture and hidden society uh, that existed, people that were deeply involved in HIV and AIDS, that the rest of the world couldn't understand. You know, the rest of the world couldn't understand why we were – you know, helping lovers with uh, with their morphine doses, knowing that while morphine relieved pain, it also hastened death. You know, and even the doctors were sort of in on it. You're like, don't push that button more than four times or it's going to completely relieve his pain and he'll die quicker. You know, almost telling you how to do it. You know, right. it, there was sort of this whole culture that we developed because of what we were walking through that the rest of the world, I think, shuddered at when they saw the reality that we were all engaged in. Uh, and so, uh, you know, ultimately we got all the criminal charges dismissed against Keith Green, but it, it sort of exposed uh, a lot of the, the hidden reality that existed in our world, which, you know, at times to me felt like a separate and parallel world that we were all experiencing. While the rest of the country just sort of went on its business, we were engaged full gear in an epidemic while the rest of the world was ignoring it. And so... Uh, you know, we sort of developed, I think, our own mores and our own standards uh, around that period of well, time. And I think we also, uh, you know, it was interesting what became normalized for us. Um, you know, to see someone, like, basically a walking corpse, it's like, you know, that back in the late 80s and early 90s was not not bizarre. It was very commonplace. And to have, to hear... You know, I haven't seen so-and-so in a few months. And they're like, oh, didn't you hear he died? Like, that, those kind of conversations, like, would never take place in any other culture. I would like to, to say it was such, um, I mean, just detachment, a sense of detachment, I think. And, and I think also what was going on to a certain degree during that time is there was still rampant homophobia, not that there's not now, but it was, I think it was much worse, which is part of the reason Reagan never even said the word AIDS when he was in office is, is, you know, the people thought it was a gay disease and, oh, if it's only affecting gay men and, you know, then who cares so much? You know, they're, so we, like you said, we did live in this weird parallel universe where we had to fight for our own rights and we had to, you know, we had to live by almost a separate code of behavior because what was normal to us and happening around us and to everyone in our community was not what was happening in the, in the general population for the most part. Yeah, 
Yeah, I completely agree. I actually ran into a friend over Gay Pride Weekend here in L.A. His name is Ricky, and I, I hadn't seen him in 20 years. And this is going to sound bizarre, maybe not to you, but uh, everyone else that was with me. I said, Ricky, you're alive. I, I, I thought you had died in the late 80s, you know, because when people disappeared, the assumption was that not that they moved or, or they went somewhere else, but rather that they had expired. And right. isn't that a weird way of being when you're, you know, 30-something years old, which is what I was in the early, in the late 80s. So, um, but, but that was just kind of a reality. We just assumed if you stop seeing somebody regularly in the neighborhood or at the gym or anywhere else that, that they had moved home to die or had died. Right. No, I, I know. Those, those days aren't, aren't here anymore, thank God. Right. Yeah. So weird so I, 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 you all talk about those moments and, um, you know, other people that I've had on, that are long-term survivors, they talk about how they lose friends and lost so many friends that, you know, in the 80s and the 90s. And I just, I, I can't picture going through that situation. And it just scares me to death that it was like that at one point. And I just can't imagine it myself because I was born, you know, in 79 and I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't exposed until 2001. So I didn't really get educated about it until about 2001. So I, I just couldn't imagine losing friend after friend and going to funeral after funeral like a lot of people have. Well, the yeah, thing is, you know, it, it it was by no means fun, um, but it's amazing what the human mind can deal with and what you can, you know, the coping mechanisms that you come up with and how, you know, if that's your reality, um, you you learn to survive. We're all survivors, and and it's it's scary to say that it did become normalized and that, we were, you know, but at a certain point, I mean, your your brain can't process 20 of your friends dying in two years, like, and grieve yeah. over that properly. You just can't. I mean, so you you learn to cope any the way you can, and and, it, and it's unfortunate that it had to get to that point where we're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to another memorial service this weekend. Like, okay, like, it's like saying you're, you know, going to walk across the street and see your friends, like, you know, it just—it it, it was just bizarre. It was a really horrible, awful, bizarre world. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, I once—I once, I once uh, here in West Hollywood, we have some of the survivors of the concentration camps in World War II who are still alive and living in West Hollywood. And and I had a talk with a survivor, and I am not comparing the Holocaust to this because I think it's you know not a fair comparison, and we we shouldn't be <laughs> like comparing one tragedy against another. They're they're both tragedies. But but I you know asked her sort of the same question. I mean, how did you sort of cope with you know the the whole idea of being taken away from your home and being put in a camp and then knowing that people were being killed and knowing they were dying, wondering if you were next and and you know she sort of described I think the same phenomena that I had experienced, which is just you, your mind just suspends belief. You know, it right. just it just suspends it temporarily. It defers emotion, and you just kind of get through the course of the day, you know, and you get through the course of the next day and the course of the next day. And, uh, you know, I asked her, I said, well, do you ever reflect back about it? And she goes, it, I can't. She goes, I can't. It's just too much to bear. And I've certainly felt that way. You know, I even today, granted, you know, that period of time is now 15 years behind behind me. But I, I can't dwell on it too too much because it, it feels like this incredible weight still that just comes down on my body. And so I you know, I've worked with a therapist, you know, I've gotten through it. I'm in a twelve step program today. I'm I'm sort of, you know, rebuilding, but uh, even to kind of go back there, it it's still painful. Yeah. 
I have I agree. A, um, uh, a caller on the line, so I'm going to take a phone call if you all don't mind. Hello? Go ahead. Hello, caller. Hi, Mike. How are you doing today? Mayor Duran, I just wanted to take a moment and thank you so much out of your busy schedule. Um, I really appreciate it more than you understand. I live in California, and um, I've been listening, and I'm, I'm very impressed with what I'm hearing, and I've gone through a lot of the same similar things, uh, having a, many friends die in my arms, as the saying goes. But on the other side of the coin, I'd like to know if there's things on the table uh, in West Hollywood that are going to affect us in the future. Um, what do you see happening as far as marriage rights or HIV and all this type of thing? Um, if I could have your thoughts and also let us know maybe the inside scoop of what's going to happen for us in the future. That's a good discussion to have. I, you know, I, I still believe that there will be a day when I will see three-inch black bold letters in the New York Times saying AIDS over. Uh, that wow. there will actually come a day when we will know that the epidemic has ended. I don't think that we're within 10 years of that happening, at least from what I, I hear, but I think that it is it is possible. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to require this administration to sort of step up a bit, uh, sort of like we called upon Bill Clinton when he was when he was elected to form an AIDS commission that would actually be useful, which he did. And actually, I think which helped expedite a lot of the treatments and drugs we have today. Uh, I don't think that those demands have yet been placed on this president. And, you know, the time will come when it's going to happen, and hopefully soon, hopefully soon. Uh, I think that what scares me mostly right now is the amount of uh, new conversions with, with the 20-somethings. And, and, and the young, both, uh, you know, gay and bisexual men and, and young, you know, heterosexual men and women who are seroconverting. And, and I, I often do this survey. I, I will ask them, I say, how many of you here in the room, this is talking to 20-year-olds, know somebody who's HIV positive? And, you know, I'll get almost 80, 85% of the hands in the room to go up. And then I'll say, how many of you here know somebody who's died of HIV-related uh, causes? It's rare. I may get one hand, maybe two hands. So in just the course of one or two generations, we've gone from a generation of community who have seen pneumocystis, who have seen Kaposi's sarcoma, who have seen all sorts of strange opportunistic infections that are disfiguring and horrible to witness, which, you know, for, which was a great motivator for a lot of the community to, to use condoms. Barebacking, barebacking wasn't even a conversation you could have and appear sane in, in the late 80s, or early 90s. But in today's world, without any of, of that uh, eyewitness to those sort of opportunistic infections, suddenly barebacking becomes a real option uh, that we, we can't even, I, I, at least I can't even comprehend uh, the conversation. I understand the, the sexual desire and the sexual craving and, and why it happens, but, but uh, the motivation behind it still is kind of mysterious to me based on my life experience. So I, I think that's the biggest challenge is how to, how to convince the very young who've not experienced the eyewitness that the rest of us have uh, to uh, adopt safer sex practices, to use a condom, why barebacking is not an option. It's, it, I think it's more of a challenge in terms of uh, HIV education. Um, I know you want to talk about marriage, too, and I'm happy to talk about that. <laughs> but I, 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 I don't know if the other guys wanted to chime in or... or, or because no, I'm, I'm fully caffeinated. I'll just keep talking and talking. 
How about it? How about it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I think then to answer your other question about marriage equality, I, I you know uh, I was uh, president of the board of Equality California for uh, for the last uh, five years. I, I retired after Prop 8 passed. Uh, although I'm certainly getting re-engaged as the community starts to think about going back to the voters uh, by initiative. Uh, and, you know, marriage is a state-by-state-by-state by state by state issue. Uh, marriage is a, generally a state issue rather than a federal issue. So, you know, whatever's going to happen in California to repeal Prop 8, whether that's in 2010 or 2012 or 2014, uh, we can't forget that as much success as we're having on the, the, in the, on the eastern seaboard, that, you know, there's still other states here on the West Coast, Oregon and Washington, that should probably be moving ahead with marriage and, and other states in the Midwest that, you know, besides Iowa, you know, there's no reason why Wisconsin and Illinois uh, couldn't also see some forward movement. And, and I think that, unfortunately, the Deep South is going to follow the same history around civil rights that it's, it's always followed, and that is that it's going to have to come through, finally, federal legislation and federal court orders to, to force them to adopt marriage equality in the Deep South. So, I mean, I think that's, that's a, a lifetime of work for all of us to engage in, maybe you know, the next 20 to 30 years of our lives. I agree. We are winding down to the last few minutes. Um, one of the things I wanted uh, to touch base on was the budget cuts that were just done in California. Okay. I, I, I know that uh, here locally that many people in Hollywood and West Hollywood are very engaged in direct action in protesting the proposed cuts that Governor Schwarzenegger has proposed, uh, including to ADAP, the AIDS Drug Assistance Program, which is the lifeline for people without, you know, brilliant health insurance policies in place to cover their medications. And, you know, the budget negotiations are still going on. There's a battle going on between the speaker, uh, the president of our state senate, and the governor uh, to try to preserve uh, a social safety net in the midst of the worst recession since the Great Depression of 29. So battle's not over yet. And, you know, if people are here in California or other states who are experiencing budget problems, you know, it's time to get involved. Call your state uh, senators and, and state representatives and tell them not to, to make cuts to the AIDS budget. There we go. Now, um, do you have a um, – I'm just trying to think of uh, – what, what website can I send people to if they want to go and find out more about you or, or contact you about anything? Is it uh, – um, City of West Hollywood. They can, they can just go to the City of West Hollywood's website, click on City Council, and, and there's five of us there, uh, three gay men and two straight women, and, and uh, I'm the good-looking one. <laughs> <laughs> Of course no, you are. I can't, I can't say that because all the three gay men are pretty, so it's West Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, Mayor Duran, thank you for joining us and taking time out of your busy schedule to, to talk politics with us. My pleasure. I have to My say, and you're, you're a very eloquent speaker. It was very, I'm, I was, I'm pleased to have spoken with you. It was very informative, interesting. Thank you, guys. Invite me back anytime. It would be a pleasure. Thank you. We will. Time. We'll take you up on that. All right, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Bye, John. Yeah, I will make sure we try to take him up on that. <laughs> so we get Yeah, I know, he's around. great. I yeah, know, right? He, he, well, he owes us a half hour anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you know what? I was going to do a 90-minute show today, but I decided not to because I, I didn't think he was going to be later. But um, we're winding down to the last minute, so I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, don't forget to join us on Sunday at 9 p.m. and then, you know, Wednesday too. Um, you can find out more information about me and the radio show at pazim.com. 
Jack, your information for them all? Uh, just to go to jackmackenroth.com uh, and livingpositivebydesign.com. There we go. It was that easy. Jack, you have a great week, and I look forward to speaking to you next week. With Simon I will Jackson. see you in seven days, or I'll talk to you at least. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, man. Be good. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye.